0: A lot of indie stuff gets lost and then it only picks up steam. And this is why, uh, you know, platforms like Twitch, YouTube, um, even Instagram and TikTok become crucial because those games that people didn't know about all of a sudden now people are streaming them and they're like, wow, I never played that. Oh, I should check it out. So a lot of people, they never understand the, the validity and the necessity of services like Twitch. Or like I said, YouTube, etc. But I'm like, listen, those games that people have never seen, people never slept on. I mean, I got put onto a game. My glow.
1: I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Last us Up podcast. I'm your host, Zeke. And in this episode, I have Richard Butler of Works to speak about podcasting, comics, and more. You can find out more information about Rageworks by clicking the link in the description below. I leave a content warning for any strong language used in this episode and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you,
0: thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: No problem. So, the first question is What would your origin story be and how would you like to represent it?
0: Um, my origin story, uh from a a content creation standpoint is I've been podcasting since 2006. Uh, I started when podcasting first debuted on iTunes. And at the time I started with uh, the My Take Radio podcast, it was covering video games, entertainment, nerd culture, MMA, and professional wrestling. And the way it worked out back then It was just a Logitech headset recording with Audacity and putting it out there. And you never really got any. You didn't know how many people were listening, who was interacting. You know, you just hope for the best over time. It just became um, it stopped being fun. So I got burned out, took a break. Then in 2009, we decided to relaunch the podcast using a live component um, using the blog talk radio service. And the thing about that service, which was great, was we could take live calls. We had a full chat and we even had somebody to screen the calls. So we were able to invite guests and pretty much run it like a, almost like a traditional radio show, which was awesome. And then we would do that from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. completely live. And then after the show wrapped at 2 a.m., I would then edit both audio and video to release it essentially the next day. And while that was fun, you know, it it, it takes its toll on you. I mean, as a content creator, you know, editing is time consuming. So we ended up pretty much breaking up two segments. We put MMA and wrestling together and then video games and, and entertainment together and spread it across two days. So we did a live show Wednesday and a live show Thursday. And in doing so, it allowed us to kind of control the burnout, but continue to give people the content that they liked. At around the 400 episode mark, I said to myself, I think this is a good time to retire the podcast, mostly because, you know, 400 episodes is a long time. Plus, a lot of the writers on our site started getting into podcasting. They started getting the bug. And as a result, a lot of them launched their own shows, which we decided to at the time I said, listen, everybody wants to do a." a show why don't we just launch a podcast network under the same umbrella as the website and pretty much I'll help you guys get your shows out etc teach you guys how to do it and next thing you know had a podcast network full of shows but like anything else you can't escape podcasting so I um did a podcast for a while with a friend of mine about comic books and after you know we hung that up because it was limited we I decided to launch an interview based series which i've been doing ever since called toys and tech of the trade and we're approaching our 50th episode of that podcast but it's been great because it we're not doing it live we're doing pre-recorded it's easier to edit i can control the flow of the guests most of the interviews are maybe 45 minutes to an hour so the editing is less and it just lets me focus on growing the network and pretty much continuing to create written and video based content for the overall
1: brand nice Nice. and before we pick that part how would you like to represent that origin story
0: um i i like representing that origin story by using the medium of podcasting i feel that it's one of the few mediums that can be genuinely approached by everybody regardless of age gender sexual orientation whatever because the thing about it is you're you're the the people are invested in you. So people are tuning in to hear your voice, your words, your messages. So in doing that, I feel that that represents not just my origin story, but many other people's because the barrier of entry is very, very small. So you don't need a two thousand dollar microphone. You don't need uh, the latest mixer. You have one of the most powerful tools in, in your toolkit with your phone. You could record an entire podcast as a voice note, send it to your computer, cut it up and maybe just pay for some hosting, which might run you 10 or $15. But before you know it, your words, your messages, your feelings can reach a worldwide audience. Mm-hmm.
1: Got it. Definitely. One of the easiest things where you need your voice yep. and a recorder. hundred percent. So you pretty much got into this since 2006. It kind, of, it kind of was like the spark around that time. That's before the big boom.
0: Wow. Um, the spark actually was when podcasting first started, I started consuming them as a listener and connected with a lot of different shows. Um, there was a group of, of guys in Cleveland. They did a show, which was Video Game News Radio. I really got into it because I thought that their approach their delivery it felt it felt less like an industry type of a show and more like a couple of friends sitting down talking about the best games the worst games and just talking shop it almost felt like you were in a barbershop shop on a saturday hearing people talk about video games and i like that i like that it, it, it wasn't it was unfiltered it was gritty And most importantly, the guys all got along and had a great relationship. So I started listening to that podcast consistently, uh, sending questions. They used to take listener calls through Skype. So I would call in periodically. And then one day they were like, oh, you know, why don't you come on and do a show with us? So I did a show with them. And uh, we built a really good friendship off of that. And over time, they were like, oh, man, you know, you really why don't you do a podcast? And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. And then, um, one of their listeners, a guy from Canada was like, Hey, listen, I'm launching a podcast. Would you like to, you know, record some episodes with me? You know, you could as a guest host, if you want, or just as, as a guest over a few episodes. So we, I did that with them and, um, same thing. Hey, why don't you do a podcast? And after a while you start hearing the same message, clearly it's being put into the void for a reason. So that was that was pretty much the origin story of why I started doing it because again I was able to just share my thoughts with a group of people that hopefully shared the same interests I did. It's
1: funny like life is telling you something and you decide, like, uh, maybe not me.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you that 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 happens even now. You know, you go through a lot of I don't want to say imposter syndrome because that that would that would involve like like you're faking it, but it happens that. You're putting stuff out there and you're like, yeah, you know, five or six people listen, you know, and you say that. But I always tell people all the time, how many times can you walk into a room and command the entire audience of a room, whether it's five people, 50 people or 100 people? And once people kind of get that brought into perspective, their opinion on podcasting changes because people get suckered in with the big numbers. And that's good. Don't get me wrong. You know, getting a thousand downloads, two thousand downloads. 5 It's awesome. It's amazing. But some people can barely interact with five people in a given day. And you get five people consistently consuming your content. I mean, at the end of the day, and uh, there was a podcast named Pat Flynn. He talked about this. You really want to just build 100 true fans. And they kind of help you grow your, your content and get your message out there. If you can cultivate 100 true fans, then you're winning.
1: Yeah. I always hear that in music. Like if you have like you're gonna make more money with like a hundred true fans than like an industry number of fans.
0: hundred percent. Absolutely. You put out you put out something for a $1 dollar that a hundred people consume, that's a hundred dollars. You know, it doesn't it doesn't get easier than that. And and these are people that genuinely ride or die for your content. Yep.
1: And then you, and you're older, so you kept pivoting a lot of times. You're like, I get burnt out, but there's another way to do this.
0: Yeah, it, it, it happens a lot. And you know, life gets in the way. And the thing about it is, like, you know, they always show a lot of memes online of, you know, the guy chipping away at the, at, the, at the cave and then he stops. And then on the other side of the cave is the treasure and he just needed to chip away a little more. And I've always felt that way with podcasting. Every time I kind of felt burned out, I was like, "Eh, maybe you just need to approach it differently. Or maybe you just need to give yourself some time away from the mic. Or maybe you just need to reinvent what you're doing to make it more enjoyable. And I think that's part of the bigger reasons why I've continued to do this particular thing consistently for so long, because I never really gave up on it. I just had to find ways to continue making it enjoyable and motivational for me. Yeah, like you just
1: need little shake up every single time for so like let me start my own podcast there's another yep. one and then i have a network mm-hmm. and
0: doing doing more guests doing more guest work uh you know visiting shows like yours and and countless others just again it 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 reinforces just paying it forward you know podcasting has done a lot for me for for the brand that i have for the work that i do that it would only be fair to go out there and share more stories so that people can draw the same kind of inspiration that I did and create more stuff. Cause we need more creators out there. We need more creators. Um, I'm, I feel that we need more minority creators. I'm a huge, huge supporter of that. Um, because I think that, you know, the minority voices are, I don't want to say they're underrepresented, but they're pre-packaged. In other words, like, you know, a minor, minority voices are taken and they're gift wrapped in a culture. So in other words, you can be a person of color and the, the automatic presumption in, in, a, in some cases is, oh, well, if you gift wrap it in hip hop, then it'll, it'll reach more people. And you don't necessarily have to do that. I remember, you know, growing up and people say this all the time, like, well, we grew up, you know, uh, I don't know based on how old you are, but when you were growing up, like, saying you were into comic books and all that stuff. People didn't think that was cool like they did. But again, it was a very small niche of people. If you didn't play sports, you didn't do, again, all the the stuff that checks off boxes. That wasn't cool. It's only now that it's cool to, you know, have patches on your jackets from comic books you like and watch anime and do all this stuff. You know, 20 years ago, that wasn't it wasn't the same thing. And I think that a big part of that is just that culture shift. And I think that putting out more content, more unique content, is going to allow people to change the change the narrative. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with Twitch. Like, a lot of Twitch creators, the people tune into Twitch, yeah, to watch the games, but they're invested in the people.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's funny how, like, I've seen a video, like, how McDonald's always used, like, whatever popular black music is at the time to the mm-hmm. markets market to black people
0: it's the oldest trick in the book. I mean, look at you know, and, and I don't want to derail it, our conversation, but think about it. Look at McDonald's think about all the quote unquote collab meals that they're doing. And you go to any, you go to any hood, any project, any neighborhood, depending on where, what state state or city you're in, McDonald's is always there, always there. So, you know, oh, you want to get the, the J Balvin meal or you want to go and get, you know, the, this, the, this guy meal, that guy. And it's just like it's there's nothing special about it. It's what that person orders and you're just gift wrapping it mm-hmm. and, and selling it as, as something more for to get that particular audience. I mean, there was a, um, a report put out recently that McDonald's made more money during the pandemic than a lot of companies because of their, quote unquote, all their collab Meals, meals that they put out.
1: Yep. And I think we could pivot now into the comic book section. Just imagine yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. Even in my childhood time, since I'm 23 right now, even then it was didn't become popular until like college, like mm-hmm. everything, and everything like that.
0: Hundred percent. I think you know, with with regards to that, it's it's you know the 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 movies have helped. A lot of that stuff helps make things a little more readily accessible but again you know it does, if you're not out there if you're not out there being a champion for that stuff it's always going to be looked at as something quote
1: unquote not cool yeah so what kind of catch you in the comics and everything for your childhood man
0: i've been i i collect i've been collecting books on and off throughout the years. I think I started collecting. My brother bought me one of my first books. And um, I've been collecting comics since then over the last uh, 15 years, I want to say. I've scaled down in the purchasing of books because the collection got too big. And I started switching to reading books digitally. And um, the thing about about it is, don't get me wrong, I still love my tangible books, but I always tell people, you got to ask yourself, are you a comic book collector or a comic book reader? Because if you're a comic book reader, you don't necessarily need to build a collection of thousands upon thousands of books. You can use Comicsology or the Marvel Unlimited or DC, whatever it is, and read whatever books you want that way. Like you don't you don't need to do that. But if you're looking at comic books as an asset, as well as just a fan of holding the physical product, then you got to know what you're getting yourself into. And I, you know, I collected heavy through late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, Spawn, all of all of the original Spawn stuff that came out, Savage Dragon, uh, big, big Spider-Man stuff, a lot of the Venom books. And the thing about it is that collecting back then was just collecting like, yeah, there was a bit of investment to a point like not like back then. the, The biggest stuff you would chase after were number ones, first appearances, cool covers. Now, forget it, especially now as a collector now. Every book has the potential to be worth something because with the with the grading system, you could send your book out to get graded and you could get that book. That book could come rated at, at an eight or a nine and you can sit on that book for a few years and it might be worth 10 bucks, but because it graded so high, it might be 200, $300 just because of the grade alone. So to that point, I tell people, if you're going to collect to read, do so. But you don't necessarily need to amass a giant collection unless you want to keep some of those to pass on. Um, like, you know, when, when my daughter gets of age to read books, you know, I'll say, hey, I got these comics, you know, you can have them, whatever. And, you know, you continue that cycle. Yeah, definitely.
1: Because they take up space, but then it's yep. also like when you want to move, and like, it's like a lot of logistical stuff, like moving and everything.
0: Uh huh. They take up. I, I look at comics like this. They take up space. They increase knowledge, but they create opportunity because you might have a book or two in there that, you know, might they might they might pay for your college. They might pay for your rent. And, um, you know, you got to look at it that way. Also, you can't you can't people romanticize collecting a lot. It's like, listen, you could collect for a little bit, get out of collecting, collect for investment. It's it's just a matter of personal preference.
1: Yeah, it goes back to the thing of just finding a different way, all the ways to see opportunities or something like that. Absolutely. So what do you trying to say about your favorite series? And I was
0: a big fan of, I, I went through, I went through a couple of different phases, but one book that consistently I always enjoyed was The Darkness. It was put out by Image. And um, and Top Cow, which was like a sub brand of Image, and that the everything about that series was just incredibly well done. I remember they even did a video game based on it, which was pretty solid at the time. It was a uh, first person, it was a first person shooter, but it used a lot of the elements from the comic that made it very interesting. And the thing about the the book of the darkness that I like was that it kind of teased the line between being more adult, but also at the same time. It's a book that hasn't been touched by, oh, we need to make a movie out of this. Like, like, I think that that's one of the things I've enjoyed about, like that series over the last few years that there's so much great stuff in there, but they can't. They haven't found the way or haven't they They haven't found the right creator to go and bring that to life for a bigger audience. I mean, they did it with Witchblade. I know Witchblade had a uh, a TV series for a few years. And you know it it wasn't it wasn't well received, but it was a property that got pulled out of the books and brought to the mainstream. Um, Outside of that, I I I personally still read a lot of the uh, you know the mainstream stuff. I still like Amazing Spider Man. Amazing Spider Man for the most part has always been consistently solid. Um, On the DC side, it's a little tougher. I read a lot more Batman, um, a lot more Batman stuff because again it always got really really dark and the subject matter was more grounded to batman's flaws so a lot of the stuff always always kind of dug into his shortcomings as a hero because at the end of the day you got this guy you know he's he's running around he's got no powers he's convincing all these young kids to take up his initiatives of street justice you know, when there's when there's thousands of different ways to do it, you've got a you've got one or two of them killed or hurt over the years. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack in the Batman stories, which is always cool. But that's that's kind of like been my reading, and now reading digitally. Um, I started reading Invincible, and uh, the before the the animated series came out, and I was just blown away by the amount of storytelling. Um, I wasn't a fan of the artwork initially. I kind of felt it was a little a little too cartoony for a book. But then after a while, I kind of just shut that off and was just immersed in how good the writing was. I, it, I almost equated to like the, the, um, the clone Wars cartoon, the star Wars cartoon, like the animation isn't for everybody, but the storytelling is so good that you just look past it.
1: Yeah. I remember the game darkness. I had the, I had darkness too. That's what the guy with like the dark powers
0: yeah he um he basically was able to come create things out of darkness or so it'd be like little demons little things he was a mafia yeah. hitman and um basically his powers were pa- they're passed from father to son father to son so he couldn't have any relationships with women because the minute he was involved with a woman they would instantly get pregnant and they- the powers would get passed on and he would die So, you know, for a a good looking dude, that's a mafia hitman (laughs) created a lot of other problems because he couldn't he couldn't go out there and do stuff. Plus, his the the thing about it is, even though his powers are, quote unquote, rooted like in an evil context and even though his profession was evil, he had a code. So he kind of started shifting a little bit from just, you know, being a hitman and actually being a hero, which was a, a nice way to to watch that unfold over the series.
1: And then with Batman, there's a creator on TikTok called Red Panda who kind of made a whole series about like the Bat Family and Batman always trying to make a Robin out of somebody.
0: Yeah, he Batman. You know, I think I think it stems also from the fact that, um, you know, being a hero is lonely, and I think in Batman's case, you know, you got a guy that pretty much took all his grief and weaponized it to quote unquote save other people. And the thing about it is, it just becomes a very lonely existence if you don't have those same kind of people so around you. And for as much of a loner as he is, he's he's got a damn he's got a bunch of people that support what he does and and care about his safety and well being. So it's a, it's always an amazing thing to watch because he's always he always comes off like such a loner and such a badass. But it's like, you know, between Alfred, all the different Robins, all the heroes that respect the dude it's like you're 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 a lot better off than you think but i think he re, you know that character he needs that pain to keep him going
1: it's like that constant like eventually you're gonna run out like it's like again like a different version of burnout so he needs to keep going
0: yep he needs that rush he needs that that he needs to always be fighting for something and i think that you know giving him the different robins i i think initially when when they when they brought his son into the mix and made his and he made his son a robin the the complexities of the story were so good because you know here you have this kid who grew up to be an assassin who has all these skills that now you have to deprogram and try to make him like a hero but also try to make him a normal kid or somewhat normal kid in the same breath and i think that it was just a good layer of a challenge for batman.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like being an assassin is not great but also being a superhero is not even just like slightly better but it's still not the Yeah, there's situation.
0: there's other dangers. I mean, you know, a, a lot of the i remember the the Spider-Man story that everybody thinks is gonna be part of the new movie when when he unveiled his identity in civil war. And I remember that Aunt May got shot. And you know obviously it was as a result of him revealing that he was Spider-Man, finds out that it was the the kingpin, goes to the jail, beats the beats the brakes off the kingpin, and he tells him he goes, you know, for years I've always held back. But don't think that I that if something happens to my Aunt May that I won't come back here and kill you. And um, the thing about it is you 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 say to yourself, oh, Spider-Man goes out there. He does whatever. But in that in that instance, you learned that he is substantially more powerful than he chooses to be and that he always is. in he always keeps it bottled up to do his job. And, you know, it just shows another another side of, of the character, which I, I think is just, it's important for storytelling and for growth.
1: Yeah. It's just a show what, like, another layer of what they go through, not just saving yep. people, but, like, also knowing what's their limit.
0: Yep. Because, you know, think about it. He He did so much to try to keep his, you know, the people closest to him safe, and then he thought he was doing the right thing by revealing who he was, and it didn't work out that way.
1: Yeah. And you're so free to ask a question if you have any that come up.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah. And then with Spider-Man, the new movie going to come out. Everybody. I
0: yeah, I think they're thing? borrowing from that story from the One More, because the, the original version of that was One More Day. Mm-hmm. And um, after Aunt May got shot and all this stuff started happening, he um he got the deal from Mephisto that was essentially like, listen, I could make all this go away, but you gotta give up, you know, your relationship with Mary Jane and all this stuff. And he op- he opted to do that. And you think about it, and it's like, yo, you you're making a deal with the devil because things got so, so bad. And you were willing to sacrifice like a personal relationship for the sake of that. And that's kind of what they're teasing in this movie now. Whether whether Doctor Strange is really Doctor Strange that's doing it or something else, obviously we gotta wait and see. But but the original story is one more day, and um you know it's it's a solid read. Some people some people weren't a fan of the story, but the fact that that Marvel is kind of leaning into it, uh, you know, I I recommend people sit down and give it a read. Yeah. And
1: then to switch it up a little bit, is and Smash now, just.
0: Yeah, I you know, I I've given not that I've given up on Smash, but I feel like Smash Brothers Smash Brothers has become um it's still it, like the game hasn't changed, the gameplay is still the same, but now the biggest selling point is what characters are in it. So it kind of has stolen a lot of what made the game fun because everybody's like, "Oh, this character's in it, that character's in it." And, I, and at the end of the day, that was a game that was rooted in Nintendo's characters. And the fact that so many other characters can come in and it's cool because they get more eyes on the game. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's a Nintendo based game using Nintendo based characters. And if you need these other characters to sell the game, what does that say about about the work you're putting into the game?
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think they probably find it too well. And then it's like, how can we make it? What can we say? Like, what can we do with it now? Well,
0: I think that this is this is I've always said that like certain franchises, they don't you don't need a new game every year. Like I think, you know, like when you look at NFL games, basketball games, you don't need a new game every year. Like unless there's massive changes graphically or gameplay wise, you should do it should be a release cycle of every every two years. And then you just release patches and updates with updated rosters, etc. cetera. You keep that game fresh because at the end of the day you're you know you have somebody that invests 60 70 dollars depending on what console for this game and madden's a great example by the time n- the june or july of the following year rolls out that 70 copy of madden is five bucks it's worth five bucks if you try to trade it in or get rid of it so i think that sports games and just certain games in general should see like a like a two-year release window um like you don't need i mean smash it's been a few years for smash but when you think about it, they've done they haven't innovated the gameplay as much as just here's a here's a prettier version of the same game with more characters.
1: Yeah. And deliver games. Yeah, they have definitely been hearing about that, about like um, having it just be like upgrades because the game is pretty much the same. They might change something a little bit in terms of presentation or like a second mechanic. And
0: you get and you get and you get nickel and dimes with the DLC, too. So when you think about it, you're getting a game that's, you know, 80 percent done, 90 percent done. And then you're paying for all the rest of the stuff. And where do you draw the line on what you need or you don't need? Like like with Call of Duty, most times it's new skins, new guns. OK, no problem, because at the end of the day, you could still enjoy the game without those skins and without those guns. But then there's other games where it's like, oh, here's a whole other level or here's a whole other campaign that you can extend the game. And I'm like, and then the worst part of that is that you do that, you spend the money on the campaign, then a year or two, a year, a year and a half later, you get an ultimate edition of that game with all the DLC included that you paid you know, full price for over time. And the ratio and the expense is not the, it's never the same.
1: Definitely. Is most of the time you just that times you gotta be like is it worth it now or just i can just wait
0: Mm -hmm. yep i mean assassin's creed is good for that i mean i love i like the new assassin's creed games they've gotten away from what the context of the game was originally about but you know they they add so much extra stuff to it oh here's a new campaign here's new maps here's new this here's new that and they keep the game going for two sometimes two three years but the thing about it is that people are paying during that entire time that this stuff is coming out. So it, it kind of it waters down a lot of the value of the game. And, and, and again, it's a risk versus reward. If you delay the game to put more stuff in it, then people get pissed off because they don't get the game at, at a timely level. And then the flip side, obviously, is if you put it out and then you put out more stuff with DLC, you know that sixty dollar game becomes a hundred dollar game or a hundred and fifty dollar game, and you know it's good if you're getting enjoyment out of it. Again, it's just risk versus reward, and and how much you're willing to invest in that that level of enjoyment.
1: Yeah, people always be say like back in my day, games were finished when they came out.
0: Yeah, but you know what the thing is the, the it's it's easy to go that route, but like there's always ways to keep the games fresh. I mean, look at Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto has been the same grand theft auto for how many years now and everybody thought that they would be getting a new one because of the new consoles and all they're doing is remastering the trilogy and putting the trilogy out on new consoles so you know the only way that you're going to stop that is by by not buying it if you don't buy it then rockstar will get the message Be like damn you know this didn't work we got to make a new game you know we got to get a new game out there but if you go and and you know you got a new shiny ps5 or a new xbox one x and you're like oh let me pick up the new gta and just replay it all over again you're you become part of the problem
1: <laughs> like, oh, it say it seems to be working so let's keep doing this
0: i mean that's how it is with the prices of games you know when you put out a, a game an ultimate edition or whatever and you put the game out and you go oh here's this 200 ultimate edition you know, the goal is, oh, we're going to sell it and obviously make money. But the th- the funny part is that if you don't buy it, they'll be like, oh, that was a failed experiment. But the minute that you pay that $200 and buy that ultimate edition, they'll be like, oh, we got one. If we got one, we can get two. We can get five.
1: to so multiply. This seems to be interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the problem. I mean, the same thing with $70 games. Like now the games are you know they went from 50 to 70 and yeah the consoles are a little bit more but it's like now you're you're essentially justifying a $70 game and the thing about it is what's to stop them from doing an $80 game in a few years
1: nothing is nothing changes
0: nope and 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 most of all young kids you're you're alienating your core audience because, you know, it's easier to get a, a parent to give a kid $30 to buy a game, $40 to buy a game, hell, even 50 But now you're at $70 plus tax. It comes out to, you know, 75 at least here in, in New York. You know, you're, a kid's getting $75 for a game that they might play three months and then get tired of it.
1: Yeah. I remember trying to confess my mother and my grandmother to buy me a game. Usually how much on Christmas my birthday. Yep now being an adult i'm just like is this game worth it 65
0: mm-hmm. and then on top of that you know what ends up happening you wait until black friday cyber monday that 70 dollars game is 35 dollars. now it's a little bit more accessible and then you go and you buy three or four games and then they all collect dust on your shelf while you play one <laughs> but at least it's a different it, you know it's a different level because i always tell people if you can sell your games to friends or sell your games to ebay or whatever, do that and don't, you know, don't sell them to like GameStop because at least if you buy a $70 game, you play it for three months and you try and sell it to GameStop, they're going to give you 10 bucks for it. At least if you sell it online and you get half of that money back, then the game only costs you $35 and it's not terrible.
1: Yeah. And then a lot of times people only going to play what they know. So then like a lot of like innovative games get lost.
0: Yep. A lot of indie stuff gets lost and then it only picks up steam. And this is why, uh, you know, platforms like Twitch, YouTube, um, even Instagram and TikTok become crucial because those games that people didn't know about all of a sudden now people are streaming them and they're like, wow, I never played that. Oh, I should check it out. So a lot of people, they never understand the the validity and the necessity of services like Twitch or like I said, YouTube, etc. But I'm like, listen, those games that people have never seen, people never slept on. I mean, I got put onto a game because I don't play on Steam. I'm not a uh, PC gamer. And it was was literally called Shaolin versus Wu-Tang. And it's a fighting game, same like Street Fighter style, except you're picking different martial artists and different disciplines. But the funny thing is that this company, they definitely didn't pay for any licenses, <laughs> so a lot of the fighters look like like kickboxer style looks like Van Dam from Kickboxer, like legit, or you know, uh, kung fu looks like Jackie Chan, G. kune Kundo looks like Bruce Lee. So, so they definitely just go and they're using those likenesses, but the concept is cool because you're using those fighters and they actually fight with like a signature weapon from that discipline. So you have like you know, Tong Po resent re, from kickboxer movies representing Muay Thai and he could fight Bolo from Bloodsport. But obviously they're not using those names. They're just using the disciplines. But I saw somebody share that game on TikTok and they were like, oh, you can find it on Xbox too. And I'm like, really? So I go, I <laughs> turned on my Xbox and sure enough, it was there. It was like six, $7. I bought the game and I played it for, for hours just because it was so so easy to pick up and enjoy. But I never would have found out about a game like that without, like, some sort of TikTok or, or you know, Instagram or whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, it's just like, that's like another thing about them, like, their sharing ability and people are going to take the risk and be like, oh, this is great. Yep. I mean, that's that you, you want to take
0: away that that barrier of entry. And I mean, when we were growing up, it, you'd always check out a game because your friends would recommend it or they like, oh, I picked this up, man. It's pretty cool. And next thing you know, they'd lend it to you or, or whatever the case may be. And then you'd go and you'd buy the game. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tale as old as time.
1: The word of mouth is like the best marketing.
0: Yep. And, and, I, and I tell people now, YouTube is word of mouth now. TikTok is word of mouth. Instagram is word of mouth. So if you're sharing something, you know, a lot of people just look at it like, oh, you know, you're just sharing pictures of your food or sharing pictures of this. And I tell people like there's a bigger narrative here because if you share a pic, if you go out with your family and you go to like a taco place and you share pictures of those tacos on your Instagram, people might be inclined, especially if you put the name of the business to go check that place out. And next thing you know, you're doing, it's essentially word of mouth. It's just word of mouth gift wrapped in technology, but still the same thing. Then
1: I tied back down to the McDonald's like, this is the Travis Scott meal, game. just like Travis Scott, I know Travis Scott
0: exactly. Yep, and 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 you know what the funny thing is, the Travis Scott meal is a Big Mac, a Sprite, and whatever. It's like, yo, come on, man. <laughs> but hey, it worked. You know what I mean? They got they got the right demographic. They got the right group of kids to go and spend whatever it costs for that combo. Hilarious. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's funny how things work.
0: No, I mean, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, a friend of mine said a while ago, he goes, yo, man, you know, it's not it's not really new ideas. It's reinvented old ideas. And it and it's funny because you see that play out so much. And a lot of the stuff, I mean, like, you know, a lot of people are talking about like the squid game on Netflix and everybody's like, oh, the squid game, the squid game, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, have you ever seen Battle Royale? You know, Battle Royale had the same concept more you know i had a similar concept obviously not completely the same but it was similar and 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 that was even scarier because that used like kids and not adults and people are like oh never heard of it never seen it and next thing you know people are you know like like uh the verge or some of these sites are like oh 10 movies that are just like the squid game and of course battle royale is on the list so same 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 stories
1: yeah like the hugging games or like them at wonderland
0: yep look at hunger games is a great same thing. Hunger games is the you're, you're gift wrapping the same context, and again, just adults out there gotta kill each other to, to to protect uh you know a larger group of people.
1: yeah, I think that's a good time to end unless you have any questions for me?
0: um actually, uh, you know you you have a pretty a pretty solid format for what you're doing. you know I was looking at some of your stuff and my question to you is, you know, how long have you been doing it? Because you're you're pretty comfortable doing doing this stuff for a while now.
1: Uh, This is my second year.
0: Really? Yeah. Good stuff, man. And, and everything you've done, you've self-taught like you've you've taught yourself editing everything else.
1: Uh, Yeah. I did, like a little bit of learning like the programs in college because my mind knows maybe the arts. And oh, OK. Like yeah. And I learned marketing, studying marketing. So with that, I kind of just like took those skills and then with computers I couldn't really go with them. So I was able to like whatever I need to know, I'd be just look it up and then recreate.
0: That's awesome, man. I, I, you know, as 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 a creator that's that's been in the game for a while, man, I'm definitely um, you know, I like what I like the your approach to it and the fact that you're telling a lot of these more humanized stories, but gift wrapping them in in tech and and people's interests. I think it works out well. Thanks. Definitely. Keep it up, man. I, I, I respect what you're doing.
1: And I'm pretty comfortable talking to a few people, so. That was like
0: easier to do. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely shows. I I figured I'm like, oh, he's been doing this for a while because, you know, you <laughs> you know, you you recognize like the skill set, you know, and the editing and the stuff. But listen, much respect, man. You've done a you're doing a great job.
1: Thanks. And the last question is, what would you name your origin story? um using podcasting to go from nothing to something nice that's a
0: that's a that's a that's a good way to use that and 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 show respect to the medium
1: cool so just so that's it. do you have anything you want to share with people in terms of where they can find you
0: yeah absolutely um you can pretty much find all of our gaming entertainment and pop culture content on rageworks.net um from comic books to action figures to video games to movies you know we kind of were the gears in in the pop culture machine when it comes to that uh for my podcast which is Toys and Tech of the Trade you can find it on the RageWorks podcast network which is rageworksnetwork.com you can also find it on any podcast platform of your choice along with all of our other shows and pretty much social media is rageworks on everything um instagram same thing uh, YouTube, it's official rage and Facebook it's official RageWorks. but for the most part, it's some deviation of the same name. And you can find all of our content on those sites. Our YouTube channel has, you know, toy reviews, product reviews, uh, some of our podcasts, tech stuff, et cetera. You can find that there as well.
1: All right. Nice. Thank you again for joining the podcast.
0: Of course, man. I'm glad I, uh, glad we took the time. We got to have that conversation and chop it up and i was able to give you you know for 45 minutes almost an hour of stuff hopefully your audience enjoys it right thanks
1: that brings another episode of the let's get podcast to a close again you can find out more information about race works by clicking the link in the description below for next week i have Ashley evans to speak about her book on polished diamond hope you tune you next day and i hope to see you there